Hi, my name is Michael Sano. I'm Jewish and I love Israel. So if you love Israel, if you love being Jewish, or if you have an unwavering connection to the land of Israel, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? My name is Michael Sano, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, the only positive podcast about the people, the food, the culture, and the history of the state of Israel. Hey, listen, if this is your first time watching, don't forget to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and the notification bell. Make sure you share this podcast with your friends and your families. It's a ton of fun to make, um, and we enjoy bringing it to you. Um, also, if you want to take us with you, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by the 12 Cities in Israel Modern Hebrew Flashcards, the best way to learn Hebrew, the best way to brush up on Hebrew. You can find them on Amazon for Kindle. And if you don't have a Kindle, that's all right, because you can download the app for Android, iPhone, iPad, PC, and for Mac. This episode is also brought to you by VV Backdrops. Boom! In the background, you can see it. They did this for us. Um, the uh, 12 Cities in Israel Modern Hebrew Flashcards and the link for VV Backdrops can both be found below in the description. So check it out. And without further ado, welcome to the show. All right. Hey, welcome. Uh, welcome back to the show. It's great to uh, it's great to have you guys here with us today is an amazing friend and i'm going to give you all the information into how this person became my friend um but today to talk about israel in america is the one the only charlotte strauss charlotte welcome to the show thank you hey what's going on nothing much you know we already went through the whole introduction, so it feels weird to do the introduction again. I know, but I have to. All right, what a lot of people don't know is I have to. I have to uh, prep people for the show, and normally it's face to face, so it's not that it's not that big a deal. But in in the COVID environment, it's had to be done over Zoom, and these interviews are being done over Zoom. So sometimes it's the first time, and it's the first time you and I have face to face in a couple of months now right totally so um so there you have it all right so we're here you're here you uh are to <laughs> to talk about um to talk about israel in america to talk about different communities how they perceive it from your perspective um so first off before we get into that let's give a little bit of background about how you and i know each other where did we meet we met at city college um i was an art student but you were a jewish studies major yeah. and i had to fulfill my language requirement and so we ended up in hebrew language classes together and that's how we met each other it's awesome that yeah. and and it's so fun because it was such a core group and it was so many different kinds of people all learning hebrew yeah. um but yeah, 
so that's how we know each other and it's been over five years did you I know that know. i can't believe it i just like <laughs> i just can't effing believe it i almost cursed but i no that's okay um <laughs> and don't this is a podcast so if you feel the need to use an expletive here or there i do it routinely um it's do it a lot so yes maybe you can just bleep it out <laughs> no bleeps there are no bleeps on this show <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to get right into the meat of it. And um, so give us a little bit of a background about who you are and, you know, your your history, where your family comes from, all of that in one sentence. No, um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. No, um, <laughs> just a, a recap version of of your history your family history and and who you okay. are in new york okay um well my father was first generation here his parents were from germany uh they left germany during world war ii my mother was born in mexico her parents are from poland so like you know big like jewish background like we they you know they come from like big Jewish families. I grew up in like an Orthodox community. Technically, my family is like modern Orthodox, and we were technically. I love this. Technically, technically. Yeah, and I'll I'll give you like the caveat because like you know my father was like raised like both of my parents were raised like modern Orthodox. I went to yeshiva. Me and all my siblings went to yeshiva. We grew up in Washington Heights. Our schools were in like Teaneck, New Jersey. And like my brothers went to like Yeshiva University High School. So we grew up in a very Orthodox community. We were part of the community, but our family in and of itself, we didn't like, we barely ever kept Shabbat. You know, we didn't really keep, we didn't eat like pork and things like that. We didn't eat lobster, but we didn't, we didn't really keep kosher at home. Um, so we sort of just like lived in these two worlds. We were part of the community, but also like sort of like outsiders or we <laughs> felt like outsiders to the community, you know, just like sort of living in different worlds, you know. Okay. So uh, now that we've covered that and that gives a good overview into my next question, which is um, what does with your upbringing, with your background, being Jewish, what does Israel mean to you? Well, growing up... Loaded question. Yeah, totally loaded question because it also changes, right? You know, as a kid, especially going to yeshiva, like, Israel is, like, put on a pedestal, right? Israel is, like, the homeland. Um, it's, like, it's where we all want to be eventually. You know, we say, like, growing up in elementary school, um, we used to say the American national anthem, but then we'd also say the Israeli national anthem. So it was like, we loved, yeah, we loved Israel. Israel was just as much our country as Jews that is, uh, that America was because okay. we were Jewish and Israel belongs to all Jews. And so growing up, we were just like, Israel is beautiful. It's an amazing land, you know, and it's like, and you know, we're kids, so we don't get all the details. We were just told that Israel is our land and this is where we belong and it's a beautiful country. And, that's basically the gist and the image that we get. Okay. Um, growing up as a kid, I traveled to Israel a couple of times. So I do have like a couple of vague memories and I do, my mother has some family there. And so we would visit her family. Where, um, where would you guys go? In mostly in Jerusalem and Yerushalayim. And so at least that's, those are the memories that I have. Um, 
I remember like a very vague uh, memory of her uncle. He was like a giant to me back then. Apparently, <laughs> he was a really short guy. Um, so, but I was a really tiny girl, so everyone was a giant to me. <laughs> well, that's one of the things. What you touched on something that's really interesting. So, one of the the big revelations, and I actually spoke about it in my in in the last episode with a friend of mine from Jerusalem, and that's how much of as holy as the city is, it still feels like a playground because there are with these ancient walls and these ancient stones but you you see little kids running around with their backpacks and jumping over the walls Uh and the bikes with the streamers and even at the coattail which is oh you see kids playing hopscotch and stuff like that so yeah so yeah, you've experienced that, that the past and the present and all these different ways of living sort of combine. That's cool. All right. So I've heard from you about your school and about how your school shaped a lot of your notions of Israel. What about in the home and with your parents and your siblings? So, I mean, my father always loved Israel also. Um, it's strange because he the reason we weren't religious at home is because my father was not a religious person. My mother was religious. She would go to shul every Saturday. My father never went to shul, maybe on Yom Kippur, you know, maybe on Pesach. We'd go for like, you know, like the big, like the big holidays and like the things you could bring the kids to, the thing. My father was a big schmoozer. So he'd love to like talk to people and say, hello to people. <laughs> But he was not into praying. He was not into the services or things like that. Um, but he was like insistent on, you know, you got to send your kids to yeshiva. You got to know that you're Jewish. You got to marry a Jewish person, you know, hit your history and your religion and your culture and your are like all really important parts about your identity. And so Israel played a big part of that for him. Um, and he always loved Israel. And I think in the back of his mind, he always sort of played with the idea of moving to Israel. Um, but he also played with the idea of moving to a lot of places. And so <laughs> lots of things didn't pan out, but my father loved Israel. Um, and my mother, she had lived in Israel for two years. She had gone, I think, between like college and her master's or somewhere in there. She had spent two years studying in school. So she that's where she learned to speak Hebrew fluently. You know, her brother was wow. living in Israel, all her like nephews and her niece and their kids like she, like her brother and his whole family, and even her mother at some point was living in Israel. So to her, Israel, I think, was always a second home. Um, She always loved visiting Israel. And unfortunately, like after like those two trips in childhood, after her mother passed away, and then we went to Israel that second time for her mother's funeral, it was like a long time before going back to visit Israel again, just too many kids, a lot going on, you know, and Israel was expensive to go to. So it still is, yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't something, unfortunately, that we could do often. But for my parents, it was it was a second home, you know, in your hearts. It's it's like a second home to a lot of Jews. Okay. Um, so that's what it was talked about growing up in the home. Um, and I don't think that I really started to form my own opinions about Israel, really, until I went on a birthright trip when I was 26. Like, so hold on. Wait a second. Wait a second. You so I I'm not I'm not challenging that notion at all, but okay. you had already developed a notion of Israel. 
well, through, sure. through Very, all of this stuff. Else. So that that I guess I want I, I'm asking for a, a little bit of clarification on this. You had maybe a, a renewed or differentiated notion or an updated yeah. version. Yeah. So like I guess that, that sounded so argumentative. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know what? It's nothing new, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I love these kind of conversations that we have. I think that they're important. Um, Thank you. I think that um, you're absolutely right. I did carry these notions, right? But they were not conclusions that I had come to. They were everyone else's opinions. Oh, okay. Point. All right. You know, because growing up, like, that's how you learn anything, right? People tell you what to believe and you believe it until you you start getting your own information. You start going out there and exploring the world. and And then, like you get different viewpoints and then that's how you learn to take a step back and be like wait so this whole time growing up i was told israel was this thing but other people think israel is this thing and this person sees israel this way and so i'm like where's the truth right and then eventually you realize that everyone has their own truth and so, so they, can you uh, hold on for a on. sec um sure. back up to that and the different uh, the differing opinions and the differing views what are some of these views that some some of these people have? Because that's actually one of the questions that I have outlined. Mm -hmm. um, what are were these different thoughts coming from within your community, within your family? Was it from other Jews? Was it from non-Jews? And what were some of these differing opinions? Yeah. Um, well, these different opinions, like they obviously didn't just come overnight. These are opinions that I'm still exposed to over time in my like how I feel about Israel um, is constantly forming. It's constantly changing in different ways. Um, and so like over the course, I would say of like, you know, I went to, I'm 34 today and I went to I'm birthright at 26. And so- I thought uh, you were 26. No, you didn't, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look uh, amazing, so keep going. And so I would say that, you know, when I went to, birthright, it was, I think the first time experiencing it as an individual, even though you're part of this group and, you know, it's very like, um, like, I don't know what the, like the word is, but it's like very like manicured. I don't know, like what they show you and how they talk about it. Right. It's all like, oh, okay. Um, from a perspective, right? They're very much promoting Israel as a beautiful country, and it is a beautiful country, but they're sharing one perspective. But so it's narrated. Same, it's sort of narrated. Yeah, it's sort to of to some degree. Yeah, scripted. That's the perfect yeah. word. Yeah. Yes, totally. Um, but at the same time, they answered questions, or you could ask questions and get answers from an Israeli perspective versus asking that same question, and then you know getting an answer to a question from an Israeli Jew versus an American Jew, sometimes you'll get different answers. Yes. Um, which is just like, you know, the information we have here is different because we're growing up halfway across the world. We don't, we don't know everything, right? We don't know the whole truth that's happening there, right? You have to live through it. Um, at the same time, even though things are scripted, even though they're trying, you know, they want Jews to love Israel, they want Jews to come to Israel, which is understandable. Hmm. At the same time, you still, like, I'm an adult, you know, it's my first time being in Israel as an adult, you know, seeing it with fresh eyes versus, like, you know, just what you're hearing about it in the news or hearing about it from friends or, you know, just versus being there as a child when you have no idea, you don't even know, how, like, how to form opinions, you're just observing and just soaking everything in like a sponge, you know? Okay. So um, it was my first time experiencing it as an adult. Um, and what were some of these questions that were being asked? 
Um, a lot of people were asking, I don't know that I specifically had questions, but a lot of people were asking about the way, at least these are the questions that I remember, mm-hmm. about the way the Israeli army would handle certain things. And I guess they were comparing it to how like the American army for, like per se would handle things. Like why, like why they would never leave any man behind, not even one man, or why they would release like 70 um, like terrorists you know, just to save, just to get like one person in return. And they would say, well, because every life matters, you don't get to decide which life matters. And, you know, even if we have to release 70 terrorists to get one person back, the Torah says that it's worth it because you don't get to decide which life matters more. No, and so, um, but it was also just interesting to hear it from Israelis themselves, because I think that, you know, as you get older in America, you get the sense that you're being you're being preached to a lot, you know, and yeah. you're, you're trying, people are trying to convince you why Israel is amazing. And then you go there and you hear from people who actually live there, who are living through some of the horrible things that you've heard about, but they still believe that Israel is amazing. They still are so in love with the land and the home. And to hear it from them, I think is reassuring. And it also just validates, you know, a lot of things that you heard growing up. So I want to touch on something real quick, which is interesting. So I was having a discussion, and I can't remember who it was with. It might have been with you, but I can't remember who exactly it was with. And it was the differentiation between patriotism and nationalism and how everything that's patriotic is now nationalist and how I don't agree with that because um, there are things in United States history that I just are abhorrent to me. So we have slavery, the entire legacy of slavery. We have the My Lai massacre during Vietnam, which was when a unit of American army went and slaughtered a an entire village. These are horrible things. These are horrible things that individuals are responsible for. But the country as a whole is made up of a rainbow of different people, a lot of which and a lot of whom are not responsible for that. So let's move it back over to Israel and let's look at, okay, so something bad happens in the West Bank. Is the person in Tel Aviv responsible for this? You know what I mean? Where in the chain of command in the IDF is an individual responsible for something that happens on the ground? on the border of Gaza, you know, um, what a lot of people don't know is that there are swift and severe repercussions for, um, incidents in the military where people lose their commands. They lose, they get kicked out of the army for doing stupid stuff. Uh, some people go to jail. So I think it's important to understand that loving Israel and thinking that Israel is great isn't a nationalistic type of thing it's a patriotic thing and um i don't know if you agree with that but that's just my take on it and it's usually my response when people are slinging shit (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i mean um i guess i'd have to know like how you see the difference between nationalistic and patriotic too so so let's take the World Cup. The World Cup's a great example. So the World Cup, you have all these people, or the Olympics, which are going on right now, you have all these people going around and saying, 
the United States is great or Japan is great or China is great. And that's okay. And they should do that because they should love their country and they should think that their country is the greatest place in the world to live. Um, but it's different to say, well, the United States is great, but it's only good for Americans and Americans should be the only people who live here and everyone else should leave. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Israel is great, but it's only good for Jews and Jews are the only people who can live there. That's not the case. That's not the case in Israel. Jews are not the only people who can live there. Um, right. There are aspects to citizenship, but those are done from a protectionist perspective um, in light of, uh, and, and it all goes back to Theodore Herzl. Not to go into this long, whoo, where we go around, you know, I uh, um, where I segue away from what we're talking about, but it's it's recognizing the greatness in the place that you live and the people that you live with and thinking that they're great and but not saying that those people over there are are you know you know what i mean are are horrible deplorable and should not be right so that there yeah um, okay so, so you're saying that nationalistic is believing that a country belongs only to its people but patriotic is loving its country but not meaning that other people are excluded like patriotic is loving your country and that but the country being separated from the people and nationalistic nationalistic is the people in the country are one and the same um sort of but i think more from a the, in terms of nationalistic you get into some really weird type of you know you were talking about um you know, remove it. So, so let's say take what's going on in uh, in 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 Turkey right now, and mm -hmm. southeastern Turkey, and the uh, who's the group that that uh, oh, I'm referencing something and I can't even remember the name of the group. Um, but there's a there's an ethnic group that lives out there, and the Turkish army went in and just decimated them, destroyed them because they are not Turkic. They are, and that to me is nationalistic. You know okay. what I mean? Um, right. Israel's not kicking out its Arab citizens. Israel's yeah. not kicking out. It's not even kicking out its um, African and Filipino immigrants right. uh, who, yeah. who want to just work there. Um, so Israeli does not equal Jewish, right? Israel was like created to be the land, a safe place for Jews to come. That doesn't mean that other people can't come. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and all right. And can't be equal citizens, right? Yes. So, <laughs> I would like to step off of this topic. Um, <laughs> go back. Go back. And so go we back. Not before. Yeah. So, birthright. Um, so, birthright was like the first chance for me to experience Israel with my own eyes, I guess you could say. Or where I started to like see, you know, it was like, you know, I went there because like, I went there because it's birthright. And I was at the end, I was 26 and everyone was just like, you should go, like, go take a trip. It's a free trip, go do it. And so I didn't like, I didn't go there with any expectations. I didn't go there for any reason, really. I just went because I could, um, but it was like, it sort of like got the wheels turning again. And it got me thinking again um, about a place that I hadn't thought about really. It was sort of like these ideas just sit in the back of your mind, but I hadn't really thought about it critically ever or in a really long time. 
Um, so it was sort of like the beginning of starting to form opinions about it. And then over the years, you know, you meet a lot of, you meet Jews that have different opinions or you discover that Jews, different Jews have different opinions about Israel. There's some who believe that we're not supposed to be in Israel right now, but then there are most who believe that we deserve it and that we should have it because Jews deserve a place to call home where they feel mm. safe. Um, and then, but then you also have a lot of non-Jews who have different opinions, some who are pro-Israel, some who are not pro-Israel. And just, you know, from the politics and from your Jewish friends and then from going back to Israel and meeting Israelis, you just get exposed to all these different opinions. And so then you just try to like be objective and you just try to form your own opinion, you know, which is ever changing, right? As politics in this time change. And that's also the hardest part is sitting back and being objective. Yeah. Because like you said, it always seems like someone is trying to impress something upon your mind. Change yeah. your opinion. Um, yeah. That's okay. life, right? People always want you to see things from their perspective. They always and, want you. Yeah. And I get that. And 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 so one of the things that I um had had some issue with when I first visited. It was actually, I think it was the second time I visited. So my first and second time visiting were Ulpan, going to Ben Gurion University. And I'm Sephardi, okay? Mm -hmm. So I, and, and for the most part, Sephardis don't have this differentiation between um, Orthodox, modern Orthodox, conservative, Right. Uh, reform. In, 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 in we we have we have different dif we have differentiations between our level of the best way to describe it is adherence to faith, um, and that would be uh, Mazorti who are traditional and Dati who are religious, and then you have Haredi who are really religious. Yeah. So, but that for Sephardi, Sephardim. Uh, the plural um, is very fluid and there's a lot of acceptance within okay. the community for individuals who are fluid between these different um, levels okay. okay of adherence and ritual and observance um, so I was speaking to a woman a really nice young woman but she couldn't wrap her head around it she kept asking but what kind of Jew are you um, I'm, I'm Sephardi. I get that. But is, is that like, is that orthodox or is that like, ref, is that conservative? What is that? I don't get that. And we couldn't really come to an understanding. And she really wanted me to take my life and uh, put it into the box definition that she had. And I couldn't do She that. wanted you to say, are you orthodox or are you like, like she knew all these different like like versions of Judaism and she wanted you to be one of them or she just like was under wasn't understanding what Sephardi was she couldn't well one she didn't understand I don't think she understood what Sephardi was and two she, you uh, to American to a lot of American Jews and specifically religious American Jews you have to fall within the rainbow of because you can't be in two groups. Yeah. You cannot be in two groups at all. Let alone all of us be, huh? What did you? Into a box, don't you know? 
And that is a very American Jewish experience, not an Israeli Jewish experience. I think it's um, because um, the majority of Israelis, I could be totally wrong. No, talk. Heard, that's fine. But I think the majority it's, it's, of Israelis. your experiences. It's yeah. your experiences. So that's okay. Yeah. And so I think that there's like a huge Sephardi community in Israel, like much bigger than there is in America. And I think, well, the biggest uh, population of Jews in America. 50%. Is yeah. 50% is Sephardi or Mizrahi. So, okay. Which so, is Eastern, yeah. uh, Middle Eastern Jews or okay. Spanish Jews. Or Southern, or it's like, it's like Middle Eastern or Southern Europe, right? Like it could mm -hmm. be like. French or like uh, Spanish or Portuguese. I'm trying to make it digestible and easy for people to understand. Okay. So. Um, whereas I'm Ashkenazi, right? And so I'm, I'm a mix, but ultimately Ashkenazi or Sephardi is determined by your father. And so my mother was Ashkenazi. My father was Ashkenazi. He was a German Jew, which is a little different actually than other Ashkenazi. It's called Yaki. And so we were raised wow. Yaki, Ashkenazi. And so um, and so that's like how I was raised. And apparently like, so the biggest population in America of Jews exists in New York. And when wow. the Jewish and the Jewish population in New York, um, I think at the beginning was mostly German. And so growing up, I was surrounded. All I knew were like the community I was, it was all like German Jews. And if there was someone else, I didn't know, like there were three German like synagogues in our, in our wow. neighborhood. Like that's what like Washington Heights was. That's what New York was. And I think, like much of New York is Ashkenazi. I don't know the percentage, but that could explain like why, you know, American Jews see it that way is because that's the world that they grew up in. That's Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So we see that there, there, so that's one thing that, that is a big difference between American Jews and Israeli Jews. And that fluidity probably, allows them to see things a lot less rigidly as you'll notice when you're in israel the <laughs> concepts of being on time just don't exist um but a lot of that is is can be traumatic to american jews is that something that any of your friends or or family members experienced when they were there culture shock you know what i mean like jewish culture shock i'm going to the land whoa wait a minute this is not the land of the jews that i expected um no i don't think it was like really like shocking i think we knew it was going to be a different place like it's all it's its own country right it's its own mm -hmm. like world and it's in a whole nother part of the world it's in the middle east so it's like very middle eastern the food is middle eastern you know it's also it's like sort of like this combination between the middle east and europe right it's like like a really cool combination of both i think um and so and it's also there's like so many different types of jews right you have some that like are in like like wear the black hats and like the black coats and like suits and then there's some they're super casual um, and that's not really different from like what you see growing up, especially in New York, because there's so many different kinds of Jews. Um, Someone made a comment that, what the heck was the comment? It was on my first, or maybe it was on my second Ulpan, but they were like, wait a minute, people in kippahs and shorts, I thought only kids did that. So, um, <laughs> wow. no, but people okay. just dressing so relaxed 
yet yeah. being religious, that's not something that they had been I accustomed see. to I seeing. See. Okay. Well, I think that, you know, and maybe, maybe like when I was younger, it would have been like more shocking, but like, again, like I don't remember a lot of it mm -hmm. um, when I was younger. So I don't remember if there was like a culture shock. Um, sure there was, you know, having, you know, lived in one place and then suddenly going somewhere else, right? You're, it's very shocking. But, uh, but like living in New York, there's so many different types of Jews. We come in all shapes and sizes and different forms and, you know, well, yeah, in all different ways. So Israel wasn't that shocking for me. Coming from a place that was so um, Jewishly dense, coming to another place that's Jewishly dense, and also coming from the more Orthodox side, um, there, there probably was a comfort level, correct? Yes, totally. If anything, like, I felt more comfortable, you know, even growing up in New York, where it's very normal to be Jewish, mm -hmm. you still sort of feel like an outsider, you know, because Jews, even in America, and even New York, are talked about, like, you know, a, a lot of the Jews that I know consider themselves to be white, but Jews are still in some ways talked about as if they're different. They're their own people and we are. And so you still sort of, even if it's in the back of your mind, feel that, at least I always did for a long time. And so you go to Israel and that disappears because you're just like, well, everyone here, almost everyone here is Jewish. And so I don't have to think about that anymore. I don't, like we're different types of Jew, but we're all Jewish. And so I don't have to feel like singled out anymore. So, so that's good. And that is what made it so wonderful for me when I went, when I visited because, um, and, and it's interesting because I want to get your perspective on this. So being Jewish, and going to City College of New York, which it was traditionally, that's where we know each other from, which yeah. was traditionally the Jewish Harvard. As a Jew at City College, I felt like an outsider. Like totally. specifically, and I was in the Jewish yeah. studies program. Yeah. And you were the only Jew in the Jewish studies program. I was pretty much the only Jew in the yeah. Jewish studies program. Um, so how. As you said that your views on Israel developed over time, that your views not changed, but maybe um, evolved over time. Mm -hmm. what, 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 what were the catalysts that changed your mind and what, in your opinion, just your opinion, uh, was, were some of the reasons why people who may have been Jewish had differing opinions than yours to the extreme to the just, Oh, I think this should be a little different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know that I can pinpoint a single catalyst or that I can think of a single moment that like altered, at least like nothing comes to my mind. I think that over time, like I do with a lot of things, you know, you just like, for instance, my sister, um, has been dating an Israeli for many years. And so she, when things would happen in Israel and or news was shared about Israel and America, she'd then come and give us the Israeli perspective or at least his perspective and like the Israeli perspective that he shared with her. Okay. And so like you're, you sort of for the first time are getting information from both sides, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, just I think over the years, just slowly just 
getting and observing different viewpoints. So I don't know that I could pinpoint like a specific catalyst or a specific moment that's just like, oh, no, now I see Israel differently. Um, maybe there was, I don't I know. I mean, were your viewpoints wildly different from the when you had grown up or were they altered a little bit or were um, you suddenly pro now? Okay. Were... If, if we talk about today, I think absolutely like how I see Israel is different i think but because i think about it on a much more complex level than i ever did before right and i think that like you know my opinions about israel and my feelings about israel are, are like very conflicted often so that's definitely it's more complex than like it was growing up or even okay. as an adult yeah what, what what would be one of the uh Give me. I know you said you can't think of any one thing, but if you could, what what is one thing that you that's evolved in your opinion um, on your support or lack of support for Israel? So, um, I mean, it's like such a, a complex issue, right? And there's like so much history, um, and it's like like what America struggles with, like what do we do with our native people how do we make right and like what kind of rights do native american people have and what kind of rights do other americans have you know you know america was conquered hundreds of years ago so what responsibility do we do us as people have and like who has the right to the land if you go on a really basic level my personal opinion is and a lot of jews will disagree because they because it says different in the torah but my personal opinion is that land doesn't belong to anyone. And people just come along and they just put a flag and I'm like, this is mine now, it's not yours. And I get to say who comes in here, right? And so I disagree on a really basic level. I disagree with that. And I think it's all just one world and it all just belongs to everyone. But and that's you know, a fundamental, That so you're um, fundamental, like, yeah. You're, yeah, on. but on a basic level, if you like take care of your land and if you're just like, well, I've taken care of this place and it's like I've cared for it and you want to come along and just profit off of it or you just want to live off of it now, right? Then it starts to get complicated. And this is why like all all like the Jewish laws and all this stuff were created about land, right? If I if I tend to this land and I grow things and I raise my cattle on it and then you come along and live on it, do you have a right to it now, right? Because, and so, right, all, and all these things come into play and like all, and right, so it's obviously way more complicated than that like fundamental, like hippie belief I have, right? <laughs> but, Go on. Um, and so like, um, so yeah, so on a fundamental level, that's what I believe, but um, we are where we are, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't go backwards. You can't change the past. And there are, as much as I would like us all to see things the same way and for us all to just get along and to just love each other and to just take care of each other, that's not happening tomorrow. So how do we figure out a solution that can at least take us in the right direction, can at least take us in a step forward, well, I, you know, I where you have different people functioning together and so this is what plays in my mind all the time and so sometimes i'm just like surely israel did some things wrong along the way and surely palestinians have done some things wrong you can't say it's the fault is totally false on one side like any relationship it's never just on uh, on one side um does israel these are so i'm just running through the questions that like run through my mind like do jews really deserve to have israel 
do they deserve to have a land of their own? Absolutely. Because any people who've been like so segregated and, you know, and isolated and like massacred like Jews have, they should surely have a place where they can call home, that they can make it their own, where they can protect themselves. Well, can I interrupt for just one sec? Because yeah. I think there's a component to what you just said, which is is incredibly important and is often overlooked and missed. And um, you said right on the head, uh, they deserve a place. They de they de we deserve a home and, and all of that. And that is great. But then I think the thing that's forgotten is the amount of work that went into developing that home. The amount of work that went, and we talk about the wars that were fought, okay? Yeah. But but all right, to take a look at at at, at uh, New York, Boston, Philadelphia, okay, and and we say, well, this is our home in the United States because we fought against the British, and okay, all right, but that's part one, that's step one. Right. What about all the Jews, Germans, Irish who came and built New York? Philadelphia and 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 and, uh, and Boston and the same thing goes for Israel I think yes we won in this uh, the uh, the war for independence the six day war and the Yom Kippur war but what about all of the the strong backs men and women I mean strong yeah. women who yeah, went and built, built yeah yeah and nothing Nothing is ever said about that. No, yeah. Nothing is ever said about that work that goes into yeah. it. But yeah, um, I mean, I've, I've definitely like heard this in like conversations before that like Israel developed the country, like its infrastructure, its irrigation system. It took it to a level that the Palestinians never did. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Like Israel is what it is today because the Israelis brought it to that level, right? Um, if you go back in time, you know, Jews absolutely needed a land. The problem was, is like, the entire world was already claimed by people. So what what, what do you give to Jews, right? And so it's like, did, was the right decision made? I don't know. Like, I can't go back in time and make that decision. That's like, I don't know. I don't know if the right decision was made, but it's what was made. Um, and it's, it is what it is today. And I think that the situation falls like my heart breaks when things like what recently happened happen and like you have like an 11 day war and like mm -hmm. you're killed and my heart breaks and you want to take a side and you want to be angry because you want to make sense of it and you want someone to blame for all the death and senselessness and I think you know the conclusion at least that I came to from the most recent thing is that most of the people who live there just want peace. They just want to live their lives. They just want happiness. They don't want to fight. They don't want to argue. And if they have to compromise, they're more, the majority are willing to do it. And it's just the leaders in the country that betray their people and that are just looking out for themselves. Right. And it's really unfortunate, but it's what's happening throughout the world, not just in Israel, not just in the Middle East. Right. Um, I think so, that's actually the biggest issue is yeah. we will sit and we will say an entire group did something um, and we won't hold accountable the individuals who did it. We won't hold accountable um, the 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 like the guy who survived, who's the head of Hamas. Um, he's the one responsible. 
not uh, to me this is my this is my personal opinion he's responsible and the people who support him the average person in gaza who's told at the end of a barrel to get up to the border and start yelling at the idf they want to they they don't want to die so they say okay they don't want their kids to die so they say okay brainwashed, it's a very strong word, or they're just manipulated into believing something, into believing that if you do this, somehow your life will be better. Somehow your existence will mean something, your family's existence, somehow this is going to help. And they're made to genuinely believe that what they're doing is for the better. Well, this rolls into what I wanted to ask you about um, in the, in the, in the, uh, some of the last questions. Uh, of this interview, and that is the relationship between anti-Semitism and Israel, Um, because Israel is a Jewish state. And one of the things, um, one of the things that you brought up was the war with Gaza. And I was speaking to a friend of mine and I said, there's one thing that can happen that would stop this, that would absolutely stop all of this. And I don't know if you'll agree with me, and if you don't, that's fine. But if Egypt took a more proactive role in the development of Gaza, um, I think that Gaza would not become such a problem for the state of Israel. Um, and it, but it 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 pays more for Gaza to be an imprisoned state. How so? Um. In terms of nonprofits and NGOs that collect money on behalf of the Palestinian people who are trapped in Gaza, who if what what a lot of people don't know is that there are Palestinian refugee camps in Jordan, Syria, Lebanon. I, actually, I don't know if it's still in Lebanon, and there uh, there's one in Egypt, and they're not allowed. To leave, they're not allowed to be citizens of the country uh, that the refugee camp is in, and all of these countries accept money on behalf of the Palestinians. Um, so there's a lot of money to be made in keeping the Palestinians um, stateless or uh, imprisoned, so to speak. Yeah. And I think if Egypt did a lot more, then this past war could have been. Um, could have been avoided but one of the byproducts of that is that in order to keep everyone against israel they don't use anti-israel they use anti-semitic uh tropes and 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 slogans and we need to wipe the jews off the map so um what's your opinion on this how does this make you feel being jewish and how does this, your heart breaks for everyone, but then you find out that your heart is breaking for someone who would spit in your face. How does that, how does that make you feel? Um, Well, to go back to like your Egyptian comment first, I think if like the entire Middle East just, you know, it's like a very complicated issue, but the Western world has like, gone in and messed with like the Middle East and the Middle East is suffering a lot, all of its countries. And I think that all of its countries need a lot of help 
and need a lot of direction and guidance. And I think the Western world is just sort of like helping, but really looking out for itself. And I think that the entire Middle East is suffering because of it. And I think if that the Middle East was developed and brought to the state that the Western world is in, it would be an entirely different place. And I think that there's so much war because people are suffering and because people don't have the quality of life that they're supposed to have, like every human being. Like there's, I mean, it's happening all over the world, right? And the Western world just, you know, we don't ignore it, but. No, we we do. We totally ignore it. We are aware. Full we're stop. aware of it. And yeah, we're aware of it, and then we we go on with our lives. Like, oh, that's so sad. Oh, what do you want to eat for lunch today? Yeah. Um. So yes. Um. I think that the Middle East as a whole, like the world, the world should come together and help a part of the world, like that's suffering, right? Like we're all people in it together. Um. In terms of like this past experience, and like instead of anti-Israel, it becomes anti-Semitic. And then, like, how do I feel about that personally? I don't like that, right? Um, And I think that that part of that comes from, like, the fear that's pumped into a society when things like this are happening. Most people are scared, and they don't know how to digest something like this. And fear and anger is just an easy conduit to do with all of these, like, scary emotions, right? Um, And it's... It's something that's happened time and time again for Jews, for Blacks, for all minorities, right? You just, you use fear as an outlet and it's, but it's not a solution. It's part of the problem. You just like continue to prolong like the the hurt and the pain and the hatred that is like, it's like a vicious cycle, right? Yes. So um, like not all Jews are Israeli and not all Israeli are Jews. And I think that people need to separate, you know, need to separate it. It sort of goes back to like your thing about nationalistic and patriotic, right? Need to separate people from its country. And like what America, like when Trump was president here, what Trump did did not represent all Americans. And that was very known. So why does what Israel, what Israel's leaders do represent all of its people and represent only part of its people, actually only us, a certain part or a certain kind of its people, right? And how does that, how does that then connect back to Jews all around the world? Just because some Israelis are Jews, right? Well, no, that's and, that's yeah, yeah. And then how do I feel about you know, my heart breaking, as you say, for people who would spit in my face? Um, Actually, I was being nice about that. Yeah, I think that well, when. When things were happening in Israel this past time around, I was genuinely scared for the first time in my life to be a Jew. Like, I was like genuinely, genuinely scared. And I was just like, fuck, like, I know that like, I I can get away with looking like a lot of things, but some of my brothers look Jewish. And so if someone is just having a shitty day and he's just looking for some outlet and someone's not in his right mind, he can go beat the fuck up out of my brother or he can kill him. And it's just like, I was genuinely scared, but my heart still breaks for them because I know that they don't understand. They know not what they do. And so that's my objective thing. You can't become like, you can't like become the people that like you disagree with. You can't become like them and you have to stay above it all. You have to stay separate from it all. 
Otherwise, we all just get so caught up in the whirlwind that none of us are ever going to see clearly. And and there's never going to be a solution because he starts to hate me and then I hate him because he hates me. And then the anger and then the fear. And then then it's just like so in some level, you have to be able to separate yourself from it. And even the people that scare you and even the people that threaten you, you have to be like. I understand like where you're coming from and I'm sorry that you see it that way. And I hope one day you see it different, you know, and all I can do is, and that's it on a basic level. And all you can do is move forward and do the best that you can and try to make things better and hope that people give you a chance to do that. You know? All right. Um, okay, cool. Very cool. So how do you feel after this roller coaster ride? I feel great. I love you. <laughs> We have covered so much, and we have covered so much yeah. more than I had even. It, we went from nationalism to anti-Semitism to patriotism to the World Cup to to everywhere. Yeah. Um, Charlotte, thank you, thank You're you, welcome. thank you. Yeah. How do you um, how do you feel? Good. How do you cool. feel? I feel amazing. I'm always surprised um, by. I, I write these questions and I craft these questions and I say, huh, I wonder where this is going to go. Huh, I wonder where this is going to go. And this time has been perfect. You are a star. Thank you so much. Um, all right, that's it for this episode. Charlotte, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Um, yep. And all right, that's it. Bye. Bye. Rock, 